friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again, hopefully for most of you, minutes later, uh, with friend and returning co-host, Carmelita Valdez McCoy. Hello. All right, guys, this is our Girls in the Girls Interrupted, Girls Interrupted double feature. Yeah. Uh, two hidden gems on Shudder that... Hopefully, everyone on Shudder is seen, but we're trying to spread the word wide, get more people on Shudder, and get more people watching uh, Loose, which is the first film we covered. Lovely little uh, German kind of art house. Is it German? I think it was German. It is German, yes. Yeah, indie art house uh, possession flick. Really, really awesome movie. And today, we're talking about, or right now, we're talking about Bliss, right? This is a Los Angeles artist loft drug-infused vampire bloody mayhem like i don't it's it's so many things and all of them are screaming in your face at once yes all of them so okay yeah all of them no subtlety here just hardcoreness uh guys thank you for returning to the show if you like the show please leave us a rating and review wherever you find us especially on apple podcast app that helps us a lot we have been seeing them come in we thank you guys so much for doing that for us Please share us on our socials. We're really active on Twitter, at FilmAlchemist1, where you can suggest movies you'd like to see us cover, people you'd like to be on the show, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. And you can watch us while we talk on YouTube. That's The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end of Alchemist. Uh, so now that the business is done, man, I don't want to be a douchey suit named Dante, as I believe uh, <laughs> we talk about in the movie Bliss, right? Uh, Bliss, another film that I had actually uh, rented as soon as it came video on demand, which is always the fact. As soon as I rent a movie, it appears on Shutter. so you're all welcome for me making that happen uh, through Accursed Magic. This is another one of these movies, and I, I know to belabor the point from the last show, we are in a golden age of horror movie storytelling. I don't think horror has ever been as good as it's been in the last 10 years, maybe even in the 80s. I think the 80s has so many iconic movies. I think the quality of visual storytelling is so much better today. It's just insane the amount of great horror movies that are coming out. And this is one of those movies. The fact that Bliss is not in every movie theater and had an opening weekend is really sad to me. It's sad to me that movies of this quality just now happen. They appear on video on demand. People may or may not find them. And when they hit shutter, maybe they have a week or two. And then, you know, a lot of these movies will disappear. I think the brilliant thing about shutter is they're so much better than other apps that they're curating that they make sure that a movie like bliss gets the, the notice it deserves. Right. But outside of that, it just makes me sad that movies like this, like bliss and loose just, seemingly fade away when i feel like we should all be out in the streets right like if you told me that almost every month i would find a horror movie as good as bliss when i was 12 i'd have been like no fucking way i'm not that lucky and it happens all the fucking time just since the new year i probably watched five just amazing horror movies that i'd never seen before like here we go it's just happening all the time and so I thought, you know, this was a great thing, you know, to do this and lose today and just uh, talk and, and gush and share love about these movies. So I made the assumption because I did. Did you love Bliss when you watched it, Carmelita? I did. I had a really good time 
And with this, <laughs> I I did prefer Loose. Yes, that's more in my wheelhouse, a movie I like, but yes. I love them both. But Bliss is so much fun. I wish yeah. I had had the opportunity to see this in a theater. That's what I'm – it would be the perfect yes. theater movie. It's crazy. Like I was thinking the movie I thought about – I went and saw uh, Brightburn in theater, right? And that was essentially like what if Superman broke back? Mm-hmm. And it has some really good kind of horror movie vibes and some violent scenes. And I was like, that's cool and all. But the people in the theater were eating it up. When I saw Ma in the theater, people were eating it up. I was like, I couldn't imagine seeing that in a theater with 100 people. People would be going absolutely apeshit watching yeah. this movie in a the theater. And it it's so sad that that did not happen. But I'm still glad that it's out there and people are finding it. The thing about this movie is it just – it's just pure punk rock, right? I think it – the movie – it it reminds me a lot of really great punk from when I was a teenager, which is – you know, I was a punk rock kid. I was a metal kid. That was kind of my jam when I was young, right? It has that vibrant, angry mm-hmm. energy. You're kind of lashing out at the world that you feel like you're not allowed to be a part of yet. That's a lot what this movie is to me. And I think there's weird elements of the movie as far as the vampire mythology and the world building of it, where it reminds me of something that I heard someone describe punk rock as once, which is uh, we have so much we want to say and play, but so little talent to do it. Right. And that is the punk rock mantra right. that we're not going to let our lack of being Neil Peart stop us from just getting on stage and taking the mic and the limelight and screaming at you. And that's what this movie reminds me of. Yeah. Right. It's it's loose and grungy. It feels it's like when people talk about vinyl, like, oh, there's something imperfect about it that makes it better. That's kind of how I think of bliss, man. It just truly all the way goes for it in every fucking shot. There may be five shots in the movie that aren't just completely screaming in your face. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's, it reminded it, this movie really took me back to the 90s. Yes. Feeling wise. Like I was transported. From dusk till dawn like, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it reminded me of like music videos. It reminded me of. Yeah. Um you know, shows we would go to, it reminded me of just this very loud in your face mm-hmm. time in my life. So yeah, it's Yeah. Well I had that phase where you're like, it was Tool, Nine Inch Nails, Rammstein, Rob Zombie. Like if you go watch the video for Dragula, that feels like it could just be a scene in bliss, right? Yeah. That's the vibe that they're cultivating, which is and I think I think that part of the movie kind of belies what is really happening, which is there is a really good story happening here about the sacrifices someone is willing to make to rise above, to matter, right? To do something that matters in a world that feels like none of us ever really get that chance, right? And I think pairing it with a vampire story is a really interesting way to do it. What if... You thought you would live forever and still not do anything that artistically matters. That adds an extra whore to the vampire mm. story in a way. It's like when she's yelling uh, at her, Desi's yelling at her normal boyfriend, right? Because every scene that's not in your face, sadly, the boyfriend's in, right? The guy who, in his own way, seems like a bit of a partier, not like a great killing it adult, but yeah. he's better for her than her friends, right? But, like, there are scenes where, like, you'll see something amazing 
right? Like, oh, look at the style and the energy there, jump cutting, and she's painting in a frenzy. And they cut to just a completely static camera of him, like, humping her for, like, two seconds. And he's like, oh, boy. And she's just like, well, all right, I guess that happened. (laughs) And it's just, you see that there's just this divide in her mind, right? Whether it's exist in the world or not. Of there are these big, grandiose, kind of primal, screaming at the universe moments, and or just being that guy's girlfriend. Yeah. In the movie tackling that, the vampirism becomes a really interesting parallel to that to me. So, something I thought about with this film, and it's one of the things that I found so interesting about it, is I thought about the 27 Club. I thought about celebrities artists Mm -hmm. musicians who lived these excessive lives right who drank everything snorted everything shot up everything who lived very extreme Mm -hmm. um you know on the edge and that was fuel for their creativity and it was fuel for the art and the music that they created Right. And I don't want to say it's a shortcut that pain and excess is a shortcut, but it's definitely there's a lot to draw from. Right. In that. And and that's one of the things that I see in this film is that, you know, her boyfriend is like an average 20 something. He drinks, but not excessively. Mm -hmm. He. He smokes not excessively. He likes to go to shows, but you know, like that. I think that when they when they're going to take her to go see the suits, he's like, "Nah, I'm going to go home." Right. But you should go. <laughs> you know, he's just an average twenty-something year old. Which, by the guy. way, comes immediately after she says, "No, fuck that. I got work to do." And when he says he's going to go home, she's like, "Oh, I'm not going to be a fucking dipshit square like right. you." And then she goes to the party. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, so it's it's. I, I thought a lot about that, about how it can become really easy to rely on pain and excess and mind-altering chemicals to be right. creative and to create things and to feel like you have something to draw from, but mm. you're burning the candle at both ends and then it just burns out. And it's kind of yeah. what with Desi. Yeah, and I think the weird thing, I've I thought about that a lot too, right? Because I used to live in L.A. and, you know, you try to do these things and you're like, why are all these great writers I admire alcoholics? And why are all the rock stars doing drugs? And you do start to wonder sometimes, you're like, is this just a self-fulfilling prophecy? Do we all grow up on the notion of, oh, well, all of the guys we liked were destroying themselves, so we have to as well? Mm. You're like, is there a version where you just don't do that and you can still be fulfilled, right? Right. And it, it's the thing, we know that Desi is successful and famous in this world, right? At least minorly. She's got an agent. Like, you know, yeah, she's got an agent. She's getting advances. Someone approaches her in a bar and knows her work. But you see this thing about her where it's just not enough, right? And something is stifling her. So she starts to diagnose it as it's the boyfriend. It's not the drugs. I can't. The part I love the best, right, without getting too far ahead of ourselves is at the end, when the boyfriend comes back, you know, from having his head fucking ripped open like a Pez dispenser, and he just goes, uh, you know, is it the is it the blood or the bliss? 
Mm-hmm. And Desi just goes, it's me. And you're like, is it? Right. If it was just you, why were you going down this other path? And I think that is one of the the most interesting moments in the movie, which is if you say that it's the blood and the bliss, it takes her part out of it, right? If it's just the drugs and the pain doing that through her hand, you know, it's not the same as if she fucking does it. And it makes it extra tragic for Desi. And because she even yells at the boyfriend at one point, she's like, you look at it, but you don't fucking see it, man. You'll never create anything. And he's just like, yeah, fuck me. Right. Like, you know, my fault. And it's, it is the weird thing that most of us are people in our lives. And this is not a negative. We won't create much, right? Like, I think that's why having children is so profound for most people is because that's our thing that we truly can create and mold and add to the world. Right. Most people can't create a great work of art or a great fucking song or a movie, but you can make a good person, right? Like, you know, so I think that's why it's such a profound moment. Sure. And the, the movie constantly asking this question and then layering it with every time she does work on this painting that she claims is going to be her masterpiece, she can't remember it or enjoy it. That makes it extra tragic. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, that's one of the great horror elements of this. I don't know about you, if you've ever had a period like this in your life, but in the 90s, I was blacked out quite a bit. Oh, all the time. Like, constantly (laughs) in my 20s. That was all I was doing. In the 90s, I was a frequent flyer of the Blackout Club. (laughs) And there... Yeah, the fucked up thing is I never walked away with the huge 20 by 20 masterpiece. That was the problem. Absolutely not. (laughs) I did have this big, I did have this big, um, I fancied myself a poet. So I I did have this poetry notebook that I gave to somebody. I don't know. Right. But. (laughs) I just used to get blacked out and watch Frasier apparently. Yeah. That was all. I would just like eat so much food and watch Frasier every time I blacked out. (laughs) I, you know, I mean, I, I would walk the streets of my hometown blacked out. And so. I can, there's there's real life terror when yeah. you come to and you oh, realize yeah, you don't know where you've been, you yep. don't know what you've done, you don't know where you are, what day is it, what time of day is it, who saw me? Yeah. Like what did I do to whom? Who did what to me? <laughs> yeah. There's like that's real life nightmare fuel and oh yeah i i remember once i got blacked out and i just woke up and i was like four hours away from my apartment and someone's like yeah we just got in a car with the guy and you just went in the trunk like i just slept in the trunk drove to his house we got there and just kept partying and i was like well that happened and that that's the thing that you hit on that was always the scariest to me is what did i do to other people Because you have this, and this is something else that they do with Desi in the movie, right? Is I remember I used to wake up and just be terrified I was going to get a text or a phone call like, I can't believe you fucking did this to this person, right? Yeah. And you're like, if all I did was make a fool of myself and walk around and destroy my stuff, that's fine. But you would be so afraid of that extra thing. Like, did I hurt someone else? And they layer Desi's narcissistic and self-absorbed pursuit of this art deal, right? And her thinking she's better than everyone. Everyone she hurts seemingly is close to her, right? She's hurting people close to her. 
And then she's also lashing out at every single person by the end of the movie, right? Girls in bathrooms and, you know, girls on streets, whatever. But there is this this thing that comes also with the vampirism of the movie, which is the way she's already preying on people near her. And that becomes the part that is really scary is when you do it, I think we do it all the time, but when you take away the inhibitions, right? So your body's functioning without your, you know, kind of civilized brain to be like, don't do this and this. Let's say your body's walking around for four hours and you don't remember it. And someone comes up to you and you have a fucking thing you've wanted to say to them forever and you don't say it, right? You know, the unhealthy things we all do. That was always the thing I dreaded the most. And this movie does that a lot. There are a lot of those moments. Yeah. It's it's terrifying and it's it's something that you either have experienced yourself or you know people who have experienced yeah. it or you've heard about people that have experienced <laughs> it. So it's yeah, there's this very like real world terrifying thing that's happening to her. And unfortunately in her situation, it's not just mm. that she called someone a bitch to their face or yeah, cussed out her boss or walked around downtown without her pants on it's she has been drinking blood (laughs) she's been drinking people's blood this is a true story this is a hundred percent a true story (laughs) so (laughs) one time we were at my friend's birthday party for a karaoke thing right everything's going well it's a great night right a birthday party we're all singing and dancing we're having a fucking blast Something happens and I have like the drink too far, right? Something happens and at some point in the party, it all goes black for me. <laughs> I had been reading this comic book series called American Vampire, right? <laughs> so Stephen King wrote like an origin story for this vampire. And one of my favorite writers, Scott Snyder, continued it, right? It's just like, you know, vampires throughout the American history. And I had been reading it and I started to black out, right? I don't remember it. Well, my wife's driving us home. And I launch into this, you don't fucking get it, man. I drink blood. And she's like, what? Excuse me? My wife's me? like, are you fucking? Yeah. And I was like, when I went to Vegas last month, what do you think I went for? And she's like, a UFC fight? And I was like, no, I drank blood. I found people <laughs> and killed them and drank. And I went so in. And I, I don't know. I must have hit like my high school theater days. I was so committed to the role that the next morning I woke up and like she wouldn't come near me. Oh, God. And it was kind of like, do you know what the fuck you said last night? I was like, no, what are you like? What is your problem? I was just drunk. And she goes in and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's why you think I'm like a mom. And I handed her the comic book and she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) But she I must have been so on it that for a brief moment, my wife was like, did he feast upon a human being in Las Vegas? (laughs) If that tells you anything. About the level of responsibility and maturity I had in my 20s. Yeah. She really was like, there's at least an off chance this could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. wanted to ask you about this, though. Okay. This movie has... The, the vampirism in this movie is really strange. It plays yeah. a really... It plays very parallel to a drug addict, right? Which I, I like the concept of... The vampire is a drug addict, right? That it's not this kind of look at how sexy I am. I can float and seduce women. I like the idea of vampires as junkies. It's always worked really well for me in my head. This plague upon the living, right? A sad imitation of life. I've always liked that about vampire. And this movie does that really well. It is confusing to me, though, 
when she gets turned. Did you wonder I, that at all? I, I caught it the second time. Okay, I re, I so walk me through, because there's, there's two moments, right? There's the threesome, and then there's the bathroom. One of those two times is when she gets turned, presumably. Right. What's your take? What's your theory? So it seems to me, on the second viewing, because I, I was, after the first viewing, I was like, when exactly did it happen? Right. And, and she never has, like, the wound you know what I mean? They're, we see her bleeding in the mirror, but she never has an actual wound. Right. So during the threesome, mm -hmm. her female friend, was it Courtney? Courtney. Courtney starts bleeding. Courtney bites her neck. Does she? Okay, because I tried to watch that, and I was like, I never saw a bite. Yeah. So she does go I mean, for it. The scene is... <laughs> There's like pink and blue lights and there's glistening bodies and it it's easy there's to a, miss. There's an awful lot to look at. Yes, I, I understand. <laughs> the second time I caught it, Courtney bites her and she kind of brings Desi brings her neck back and you can see that she's bleeding. Oh, because I saw Courtney do that and there was blood on Courtney. Okay, blood yeah. coming off her mouth. You can see uh, blood okay. coming off. Then that brings mouth. up, because I thought, I was like, it can't be the threesome, because right after that, I told you, the scene that most struck a chord with me was when she's hung over, and she's just standing on a street corner eating a gigantic breakfast burrito. I was like, if anything summed up my time in L.A., that shot is how I remember my life in Los Angeles, right? Hung over somewhere eating a burrito trying to survive. But I was like, she's out in the sunlight. Yeah. That's what threw me for the loop. Maybe I hadn't set in all the way yet. And this is, I mean, this is kind of one of the things about the film that's kind of interesting is that, is it vampirism? Is it some kind of, is it some kind of possession? Is it like, it's, it's weird. It's not. Well, every time we see vampirism, right? She's high as fuck. Yes. So you could read this whole movie as there are there's never a vampire or vampiric incident at all, right? Because what we see as the painting progresses is that it's essentially her as this kind of eater of souls. Yeah. And all the little bodies climbing up are people that she's hurting in her real life. Yeah. Right? The, the hard part for that, right, to assume that there isn't vampirism is like, why is George Wentz's body in the painting, right? Because yeah. he's not her drug dealer. He's not her friend. He's just an old guy whose house she gets high at. Right? And also, there's like a wild party at that house. I'm like, did you guys put George Wentz and the poker guys to bed at eight and then just have a rager? <laughs> and then just have a rager. Like, that's yeah. strange. Is George Wentz somewhere like doing keg stands? Like, I wanted to see that scene. <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the vampirism to me was weird, right? And this this gets back to that. I think it's just like you don't need to know, per se. They're just like, right. it's just vampires. Deal with it. Right. It's kind of the sloppy chords of a punk rock song. But like, I think they were going for again. I think they were going more for the the junkie element. Right? Yeah. So she she's a junkie and not only a junkie for the drugs, obviously, which she is right. The, the bliss, as they call it. But I think what she's really a junkie for is that feeling of not being a worthless artist. Because I was talking to my buddy, right? We're on our other podcast, the Longbox Sessions. My friend just did one about. He's like, hey, I want to do these like mini confessionals. 
And I was like, yeah, go for it, man. And he's writing a comic book and I'm editing it. Right. And our other friends drawing it. And he's like, I just want to talk about the process. And it got us talking. And I was like, yeah, every single time I sit down to write, which is every day, I still feel fear and shame every single time I open a document and I see nothing on the page. I feel like, who the fuck are you kidding? What? Are yeah. you, who are you? What the fuck do you have to say that no one's ever said? I just feel imposter. this like overwhelming. It's that yeah. I'm an imposter feeling. Right. And if you told me like, hey, just have a threesome, do some drugs. And next thing you know, you'll be a Faulkner. I'd be like, awesome. Where do I sign up? That's not that bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, my wife would probably not be thrilled about it, but I'd be like, honey, it's for art. It's for humankind. It's not for me. This isn't a sex thing. It's an artist thing. No, I'm taking one for the team. Yeah. You think I want to do this? I don't have time to please all these people. I've got to paint. I've got to paint. <laughs> that's one of the cool things about this that I, I was thinking about the second time around. You know, when we – it made me think about, like, Oscar Wilde picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. You know, where the, the painting is the reflection of Dorian Gray's corrupted soul. And the right. outside looks perfect. And in – in this film, it's like she's just doing all this debauched stuff, but she's the painter. She's the one painting the canvas. Right. But when she initially turns, it wasn't like a conscious decision that she made. She didn't she didn't right. make a pact. You kept asking yourself, why did Courtney turn her? Right. Because I was like, they've already all fucked before, right? They kind of hint at. They, they have done this before, and, you know, Desi wasn't complaining. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. They partied before. What? That was another one of the vampire questions I had, which is what was the impetus for Courtney to turn her now? Right? Because just as, you know, oh, my friend is on a downslide, I'll try to get her some commission work, right? That all makes sense. Yeah. But every vampire movie that I can remember, it feels like the turning has some purpose, right? There's not a ton of accidental turnings it feels like either it's interrupted or i'm turning you for a reason right and i know there are a couple exceptions but this one it just felt weird to me why turn her now was it an accident that she got turned i mean i well, don't no. know yeah i don't know why she turned her and then that's the thing because courtney disappears just fucking leaves her right she essentially is like hey i'm gonna eat this girl's throat in the bathroom and mama bird you and that's it. Bye. Like the two of them just come out to the dance floor and have like this dance, which by the way, the patrons shockingly unweirded out by just two blood soaked ladies having a dance party. Yeah. Right. And I've been to some of those places in LA. Like I've been to some of these kind of bars where, you know, you see weirder stuff like that. Right. It's almost people cosplaying as this movie, but it's <laughs> like, no one cares. And <laughs> Courtney just disappears after that. <laughs> she shows up later with the fucking audacity to be like, you think this town's a buffet? There are rules. And I was like, where was that? Like two days ago. Yeah. Since when? Yeah. When are there fucking rules, Courtney? You didn't tell me any rules. You just ate someone in a bathroom. Let's not pretend that you're like this well planned yeah. out vampire lady. No, you bailed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Courtney, I don't understand in this movie at all. I don't know. I really don't get it. That was like one of the things that threw me for a loop is I I wanted to understand the vampire journey. And if I'm being honest with myself, it does not affect the enjoyment of the movie at all. No. 
Because the movie isn't about her. And I think what the movie wanted to dodge was the classic, like, Lost Boys, right? Like, I'll teach you to be a vampire. Follow in my footsteps. That's not really Desi, right? She's here to find something in herself. And, you know, it's about her in that painting, right? Mm-hmm. Judging herself for who she is. So that that part did trick me out, though, the first time. Not as much the second viewing. So I was like, all right, I know what this movie is. I'm just here to enjoy it, you know? I felt like I was at a Gallagher show the second time where I'm like, just splash me, man. I'm in the front row. Splash me with blood. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't get Courtney. I don't, I don't yeah. Well, I mean, Courtney's pretty loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she thought she told her the rules. <laughs> She's, well, that was the other weird thing. I was like, aren't you getting high enough off the blood? Because, like, the blood and then just doing tons of Diablo yeah. cocaine or whatever it is, MDMA and cocaine, I was like, this feels a little overboard. Like, isn't the blood just enough of a drug? <laughs> so, Let's not be greedy. Like, now you're just, yeah, now you're just doing this out of habit or showboating. I don't know what it is, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I found that part, I think if I had one critique of the movie, it's I wish the vampire stuff made a little more sense right yeah. but then i don't know if you agree with that because you don't want the movie to get bogged down in now she's joining a group of vampires it still has to just stay her own thing right it's it's one of those like i i agree with you i think it could have been either more transparent a little clearer that there are rules okay if there are rules give us something where Courtney's trying to <laughs> right. show her the way or have it be a little more nebulous. Yeah. Maybe Courtney doesn't mention rules. Maybe, you know, like maybe it is more of a very casual, you're infected right. with this thing now. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Cause the way I saw it at a point, right. I I'd come to this idea in my mind that, Perhaps when we see Desi fall, right? When she meets uh, the douche Dante. When she falls down, maybe, just maybe, Courtney knows, oh, she's ODing, mm. right? And when she mama birds the blood, that's her saying, oh, I'll just save my friend from being dead in this moment, right? My party friend. And that's it. Just go your own way, right? Once you see blood go in the mouth, I get it. Yeah. And that's the thing I think in the movie is I didn't need to see Courtney again. Courtney coming back at the end and being like, I'm mad at you. Damn it. And I want to drink your blood. And you don't follow the rules. Considering she's the least rule following character we've ever seen. Yeah. I don't understand why Courtney comes back. Like if Courtney just disappears. Right. Where it's like, yeah, you're partying with me. The party life ate you up. Right. You went too far. Right. People. That happens all the time. Courtney saves her mama bird style. And then we just don't see her again. Right. And then she's just figuring it out on her own. Right. right? And her dealing with her monstrous transformation between her and Canvas is the whole story. Yes. When Courtney came back at the end with righteous indignation, I think that's the wrench where I'm like, all right, if this is a thing, it has to matter. Yeah. Right. Like if if the boyfriend's coming back to life. Presumably all the drug dealers in that house that she eats, they all came back to life, right? George eat. Wentz is now a party vampire. <laughs> like, that's the sequel we need, right? George Wentz and uh, not Zach Galifianakis are back <laughs> as vampires, right? 
that was the thing. My wife was so like, that's Zach Galifianakis. And I was like, I doubt it. It's not. But it sounds exactly like him. I was like, yes. this guy could be like his cousin. But I was like, there's no way they got Galifianakis for this movie. No. But that really threw us for a loop. But that's what I mean, right? So now when Courtney comes back and has all these rules and things are happening, now I'm wondering what happens at the house full of all the drug dealers, right? What's with Courtney? All the, I mean, she killed that lady in the bathroom and didn't stake her heart that I saw. Yeah. So what? It, it leaves all these weird hanging vampire threads. Whereas if you just do the blood, no more explanation than that. And we see Desi do everything, right? Eat her friends. Courtney disappears, right? That's a classic. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, your friends at the bottom aren't really your friends all the time, right? She yeah. just disappears, and here's Desi. Like, I just want to get this painting done, and every time I'm high and on blood, it's cool. When she comes back, it makes me feel like I, I deserve an answer. Yeah. No, I agree. That was the thing I thought was weird. It would have been, It would have been really easy to just not have her come back. Right. And... And she's essentially just there for a cat fight. Yeah. Like, yeah. we see when she's painting, right? The bodies are all climbing up to her when she's all primal. And she turns around, leave. And she looks like that fucking Lord of the Rings orc, right? She's all covered in war paint and shit. She does. Amazing. I will say this. This movie has to be top three to five hottest vampire movie of all time. I mean, I always held the hunger as, like, the epitome of that is the sexiest vampire movie. Yeah. I think this might be a little hotter. There's kind of a rich waspy whiteness uh, to, the to, to the hunger that I'm like, eh, like, all right. It's a little waspy for me. This one, you're like, yeah, I definitely partied with some Desi's in my day. Like, this is rad. You know, a little metal music and painting. I was like that when she turned around and screamed, leave, weirdly enough. That was the hottest moment in the movie to me. That's when I was like, holy fucking shit. (laughs) It feels weird because that's when everything is bad. (laughs) But but that moment I liked. But see, that that gets back to my theory is now we're doing this like hallucinatory phase, right? Someone's laughing. She can't find the laugh. The friends are all crawling up her legs and she says, leave. All right. Have Courtney there, you know? Yeah. The boyfriend boyfriend doesn't have to be a zombie. The boyfriend doesn't have to be a vampire and Courtney didn't have to come back, right? Just leave the vampirism a little more ambiguous. Agreed. Yeah, I don't know. That was something I thought about a little bit. I was going to ask you, uh, what do you make of Desi constantly waking up naked on her bathroom floor? Hmm. Well. They showed it enough. I was like, the movie's definitely trying to illustrate something important to me. Right. What did you think that would be? I don't know. I mean, my my thought the first time around was just, like, that's the kind of stuff that happens when you're loaded. <laughs> like, when you're, yeah, that, right. when you're that high, when you're that out of it. Um, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Um, but I wonder too, in that final scene where she finishes the painting, um, and she strips down and she's just covered in blood. It's like, I wonder if it isn't that she gets back to this primal, her primal self. She strips off all the clothes she strips off society she strips off everything and she's just primitive 
Yeah, and in that moment, she's so powerful, right? When she wakes up on the floor, it feels very exposed. Yeah. Right? It feels very unprotected. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, wow, like, she might be this powerful vampire, but she feels so scared and unprotected. Like, that would just Mm -hmm. be a weird feeling, right? At the end, when she's covered in blood, I will say this movie triggered one of my all-time bugaboos with horror movies. (laughs) And I don't know why this bothers me, because it's in every vampire movie. But I fucking hate it in vampire movies when the vampires rip a throat or something like that. And they just don't care that the blood is wasted everywhere. They just make a fucking mess. It's sloppy. Right? Like, yeah. Like, she drinks, I don't know, a coffee mug of blood and just leaves it everywhere. I was like, these are creatures that would have a purpose, right? It'd be like an anteater not being able to eat ants. It fucking bo- it's like you would have like those those viper fangs or whatever that would be like straws. <laughs> You'd be like a butterfly. You would be trained for this. Yeah. I fucking hate when it's just like like no one. Do- I don't eat spaghettios and then just like wipe them all yeah. over and be like, oh, look at how nourished I am. It, I don't I know it's the dumbest complaint, but no, every vampire not, movie. Yes. When the vampires don't care that they're wasting their food and their food is harder to find than Cheerios. Like this is not <laughs> especially Courtney's <laughs> like it's not a buffet, there are rules. All right, well if it's not if it's a buffet, you can throw some chicken nuggets off your face. You know what I mean? Right. You can splash a little more ketchup. The, if it's not a buffet, I, I, I don't fucking the spill blood, the blood. <laughs> the consistency, the temperature. Right. You know, you're not gonna lap it off the floor later. Never. Never. So that would it be gross. It really is wasted. It's just gonna yeah. congeal and get cold. It bothers me. Yeah. It makes me really mad. It makes me really mad when vampires waste blood. I hate it. Like, there's going to be some spillage. But you feel like these creatures would be trained. Like, vampire bats don't fucking rip a whole cow open to have, like, two drops. Right? They suck it out. They're not heathens. That's what bothers me. The vampires are walking around pretty much saying fuck you to everyone else. I don't like it. It's really gross. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like an unlimited thing. <laughs> I don't know why, but this movie, it bothered me more than any other movie. I don't know. Everyone has their weird, like, horror movie things that bother them, right? Like, there are just movie things that bother Like, my friend's like, I fucking hate. Like, one of mine is anytime a phone rings in a movie, I'm furious. And it happened a lot more in the days of, like, dial, like, non, you know, cell phones. But. There are movies that I've almost turned off. So I'm like, if this phone rings more than five times, like, fuck you. Like, you only need to do that once for me to know a phone's ringing. I don't care how unrealistic it is that they get it on the first. Stop the fucking phone ringing. Because it makes me want to rip my skin off. <laughs> and that's how yeah. vampires wasting blood is for me. It really upset me. Um, I will say there's another part of this movie that I found uh, really fascinating, too, which is. The ending of the movie to me, right? Do you think that uh, Desi actually shot herself? Oh. Th- yeah, that's a good question. That one kind of stuck with me, right? Yeah. They, they do the thing which I love, which is the really weird claymation bringing her face back. Um, It struck me, though, the second viewing as like, I feel like something else is going on here because that's when all the weirdest stuff that's when we see yeah courtney return that's when we see the boyfriend return 
This is when uh, we see her finish the painting and explode from sunlight. Like they don't like she gets ripped in half and explodes like a balloon uh, when the sunlight hits. There's a part of me that wonders if she actually did shoot herself in that moment. I don't know what your thought was watching. I mean, I think that she did. And I think because the scenes and the sequences on either side of it are so out there that it does leave it open to the interpretation of Mm -hmm. did she or didn't she? Um, But I think it works for her to have done it. Um, And to realize like, oh shit, I don't get to just tap out. Yeah. But in a way she does tap out though. Right. Right. Like whether she dies by the bullet or moments later because she killed Courtney before Courtney could tell her the fucking rules. The rules. <laughs> Courtney should have been like rule one sunlight. Not cool. you got a lot of windows here. <laughs> I think the difference is the difference is that the second if time. If she eats the bullet though. Right. I know that's a very crude way to say it. That's horrible. I'm sorry. Okay. She. uh, It explains away the weird Courtney stuff at the end. Mm a little bit to me it do, it would cause me to lose my favorite moment of the movie my favorite moment is when she screams leave it all the ghosts right there there's probably it's only about a minute long where she not maybe not even you see her actually peacefully painting mm. right the movie doesn't stop being all the way in your face there's still some strobe light happening but you see her just peacefully working and taking a step back and surveying what she did. And I think that moment of serenity, I don't know if I would go as far as it justifies everything we've seen and like worth it. <laughs> but <laughs> that, <laughs> that little earnest moment, right? That pocket, the eye of the storm, as it were. I thought it was a really impactful scene. Yeah. Like, I really loved sitting there in that moment. And I, I would hate the thought that that moment didn't occur. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. And it's, you know, she. The gunshot, whether it's real and she just can't die that way or the other interpretation that that didn't really happen, but she's imagining it or whatever. Right. um, In any event, she gets to finish the painting. She's paid. She's paid this price. And once the painting is done, then it's like, all right, like I'm, like I'm done. Yeah. She said what she had to say. Right. And that's, that's kind of what she tells the boyfriend, right? Is you may see it, but you might look at it, but you're not seeing it. Right. It's this, she, she did the thing that she'll be remembered for. Right. And everything else is just killing time. And I, I think it's a very fatalistic way to look at it, but it yeah. feels very Desi in that moment. I think the thing that struck me too about the bullet is going to the claymation. This movie has really fucking good practical effects. Yeah. When she rips that guy's head off, like Pez dispensers him, I was like, this is fucking insane. That was so awesome. I was like screaming on my couch like, yes, loved it. To go from that to the claymation three times, right? Every time we kill a vampire after that, it's claymation. But what the claymation looked like to me was actually paint. 
right? It looked like paint, right? That maybe these are all kind of created, you know, fallacies at this point. I don't know. This is something Dandino accused me all the time. He's like, you always do the fucking nothing we see is real thing. And I hate when that, like, I just saw the turning, spoiler alert. And this turning seems to say that at the end of the movie, like, how do we know that any of this happened? And you're like, well, then why did I sit here for this whole movie? So it's weird that I see it everywhere, but I also hate it. <laughs> it, it all, you know, it just, it depends on how it's done. Some, you know, in some situation, in some pieces, it just works. Yeah. And in some, Maybe. It, it doesn't. Yeah. For me, it's just anytime you tell me that the story I just watched doesn't matter. Right. Because it, didn't happen like that drives me insane sure it fucking drives and especially a movie like this where it's so visceral and the consequences are just they're they're palpable right it's it's fucking meat destroying meat it's visceral you know this movie the consequences of her behavior right the drug dealer who lets her in and keeps feeding her drugs Right. He pays the fucking price. He's turned her into this fucking monster. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, the one who turns her right because she wants a party buddy and then neglects her. Right. Turns her into this fucking monster. The landlord who never holds her accountable. I mean, that's kind of a stretch. He didn't really do anything bad. Uh, the agent feels like he should have gotten eaten. Right. <laughs> the scumbag agent would have been better than the <laughs> landlord. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even the boyfriend, he doesn't really do anything. But he's the only one where Desi does have that really nice moment. She's like, leave, leave. Because she knows. She knows at this point it's over. Mm -hmm. And I think, as you said, she's just here to finish the painting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But that's what that's what I think is great about this movie is it, it's kind of loud and sloppy and in your face. But there's a lot of heart in this movie. There is. You know, no, no vampire pun intended, right? This heart is pumping a lot of blood through this story. It's not just schlock and i think that's what separates it for me is that to be able to have that level of carnage and in your face you know metal punk rock vibe but still really get to the core of this is just a woman who is just killing herself for this you know perceived thing that she has to be i think that's a really easy to relate to struggle agreed yeah no and i think this is one that i could see revisiting this movie yeah and picking up on different things every time. Yeah. This feels like a movie I could watch again. And because it has those fun elements. That it is rewatchable. Oh, yeah. Even well, this though is the there's great, this like, dark if side to it. If we had seen it. this in high school, right? This would have been the tell your friends, like, you got to fucking see this movie. Yeah. Like me and my friends would have been like, there's a threesome and just buckets of blood. Right? Like, it would have been, like, so our perfect blood. dream movie to find when we were teenagers. It's true. And I think that's the fun thing, though, is that now, very far removed, sadly, from being a teenager, I still found a lot of stuff I loved about this movie. And, like, this time, this is something, uh, the second time I watched it, I picked up more on the start of the movie uh, with Desi struggling as a sober person. Right? Like, that yeah. didn't strike me at all the first time I saw the movie because you're just getting to know her. But now that I knew where this was going, the fact that, oh, she's with this boyfriend, she's kind of bored. She's calling him a freeloader, even though she seemingly never works, you know, right. <laughs> and then just doing the, you know, I've been sober for three months. 
But, you know, I got dropped. I'm having a bad thing. Like, I really need to get this painting done, and I don't believe I can do it on my own. You know, telling her drug deal, like, I haven't painted in three months, the exact amount of time she told us she was sober. Yes. That really struck me like a hammer this time. Like, wow, holy shit, man. The struggle has been real for her for a long time. Yeah, we're just seeing we're just seeing the culmination of that. Right. You do. You get that right. feeling that there's 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 a whole lot of backstory here. Yeah. And I think that's what's great, man, because this movie could have just settled on. We have really attractive women, nudity, threesome, uh, awesome practical effects, uh, the massive star power of George Wentz. We don't have to do any storytelling, right? And I just think this movie has a lot of meat on the bone, if I'm doing bad puns, right? There's a lot of meat on the emotional bone here. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what – the fact that watching this movie, I was still picking up emotional beats the second time, I think just speaks to the fact that it does both, right? That's what they say, right? Find a girl who can do both. Find a man who can do both, right? This movie does both exceptionally well. Um and at the end of the day, it's just, it's fucking fun, man. It's fun. The fact that everything's not perfect, right? That punk rock quote, don't let the lack of, it, you know, enough talent stop you from screaming at the fucking world. I think that's a really good way to look at this movie, even though I think it's exploding with talented people. It is, movie. yes. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's got that indie feel. It's got that, it's, it's rough. It goes hard. It's got this raw edge to it. Um... And it it makes it fun, and it also makes it so that you, I think, you really feel the themes coming through. It's Absolutely. Good. For sure. All right, guys, that's Bliss. That's the end of our Girls Interrupted double feature. Uh, I hope all of your lives are going better than uh, Luce and Desi. Uh, we wish you all the best. Carmelita, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you guys can find her on Twitter. You got anything to plug? Nothing to plug, but yeah, absolutely. What's your Twitter handle? You can find me on Twitter at Carmelita Says. Carmelita Says. You can find us at Film Alchemist One. Uh, hopefully people who listen to this follow people on Twitter. I don't know, man. Uh, but more than anything, guys, we would like to ask again, please take a second to leave us a rating and review, especially if you find us on Apple Podcast app. Share us on socials. Uh, that way your friends who are movie lovers, we can suck them in, right, with our – our vampiric spell, whatever that was, we'll bring them in as well. Uh, and find us on YouTube, The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Uh, again, Carmelita, thanks for joining us for a double feature. I always love this. I hope you'll come back again soon. Uh, maybe we'll just do this. We'll do streaming double yeah, features. Yeah, I would uh, love it. It's a pleasure talking wow. with you, Josh. I love the film Alchemist. <laughs> Everyone should follow and subscribe. Uh, and Thank yeah, you I'd so love to come much. back. All right. And remember, guys, we're still finishing our month of Amour, as we call it. I would do anything for love, parentheses, but I won't do that. Tragically flawed love stories for this month of February, man. Perfect for the uh, Valentine's month. So that's it for us. Uh, I'm Josh Griffey. That's Carmelita Says. See you next time. Bye.